0: All right. Good evening, everyone. Good to see you tonight, this afternoon. Glad you're here for this seminar-style gathering at First Family with Beckett Cook. And uh, we are pleased that you're back uh, to learn more specifically in regards to how to interact um, with the LGBTQ community in a loving and yet non-compromising way. So Beckett will be here to help us with that. I want to thank you also for this morning and just um, what God did among us in so many different ways, and uh, let's just keep rejoicing in God's grace over us. Amen? So, um, We plan tonight to take about um, an hour and a half, so you're welcome to leave as you need to, but we'll plan to go 5 to 6.30. Half of that will be a material from Beckett, or maybe up to half, and then the remaining portion will be Q&A. Our Q&A will look like this. I'll join Beckett at that point and try to MC that. We have a couple of runners in these aisles, and we we'll want to make sure your question is mic'd so we can all hear, and also for our uh, podcast later once it's uh, posted. So just keep that in mind. You're welcome uh, just to ask it live, and we love to put him on the spot in the best way possible like that, so that's what we're planning to do. And he's good with it. I asked him earlier, he said, why not? He'll tell you about a cab ride he had last night. He said, if I can handle the cabbie's questions, I can handle these questions. <laughs> so... um and I'll just be in all, in all transparency, I heard, I love it when you meet someone and they tell you how they're living out their faith when they're not in front of you. And just hearing the story of how he was sharing his faith with the cab driver and uh, it, it let me know, you know, this isn't just something he's doing on the road like a show. This is his life. This is what he's embraced. He's traded and counted it all laws for the treasure of Jesus Christ. And we love that. And so we're here tonight to just learn more about how we can do that as well in our environments and circles of influence. So, can I pray for us? And we'll get going. Let's do that. Oh, Holy Father, we are grateful for your grace shown in Jesus Christ. We'll thank you for the historical, evidential nature of the gospel that at a given place and time, you entered uh, the human race in fleshly form, you dwelt among us, you lived perfectly, sinlessly, and gave your life as the sacrifice, the substitute, as the atoning uh, redemption for our sin. And now, Lord, now all who believe in that historical, supernatural, evidential apex of history, the cross, the gospel, you promised to bring from death to life and to free us to regenerate us, to give us spiritual life. So, Lord, we celebrate this every week. And we're so thankful for uh, illustrations of this in front of us. I pray you will empower Beckett with your Holy Spirit, that you would manifestly move among us in this time as your word is presented, as we are engaging in conversation. And you will cause your church to be a more vibrant compassionate, convictional, distinctive witness for the glory of God. In the good name of Jesus, we pray together. Amen. Help me welcome Becca Cook again, would you?
1: Well, it's been a long time. It's good to see you again. Actually, I'm going to stand. Um, so, I was telling you guys, don't be alarmed by my pink pants. I'm not backsliding. It's just, <laughs> it's just you know, it's summer. I just, you know, I thought, spice things up. Um, and the reason, the reason there's, this is even a thing, like loving your LGBTQ neighbor, why is that even a thing? Because I talk about this in my book, that homosexual Sin, behavior is, is a sin like every other sin, but it's not. It's I, There's a whole section I do on same but different. And the reason it's different, well, it's different for several reasons, but I'll give you the main reason. It's different because it's such a strong identity. So there's gay pride parades, but there's not greed pride parades. There's no gossip pride parades. So because it's such a... Um, Powerful, powerful, and, and and I, of course, believe this when I was living that life. I thought it was my true, true identity, and it was who I was. And so it's it's important to that's why it's it's important to you know sometimes focus on this specific sin. Because people sometimes complain and say, Well, why why do I have to focus on this one sin? There's so many other ones, and it's because. If you believe that homosexual behavior is good, righteous, and even holy in a sacrament of marriage, then you never have a chance to repent of that. And if you don't repent of that, it's not, there's, uh, it's not a good outcome. So that's why we're even addressing this as, as a specific topic. And who, who to go to other than Jesus himself... To, to talk about this, um, I'm, we're going to look at Luke chapter 5. Uh, Dick Lucas is a, a pastor in London. I don't know if you, any of you have ever heard of him, but he's 97 years old. And he and John Stott were contemporaries and really good friends. And Duke, Dick Lucas, when he preached, he would be like, I want to hear the leaves rustling. <laughs> um, so, I want to hear the leaves rustling. To Luke chapter 5. and um, So... <laughs> Jesus, of course, was the master at balancing grace and truth. He, I mean, throughout, if you just read, and I've done this several times, just like I've read through the Gospels all in one sitting, and to see how Jesus interacts with people and what he does and how he doesn't necessarily answer questions directly. He he challenges people. He um, and But he's so, and and of course Jesus ate and 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 um, with tax collectors, sinners, and prostitutes. But he did it. There was always a call to repentance, and um, and Luke and the Luke was a Gentile. So this gospel, Luke's gospel, is uh, kind of more kind of one of the main themes of his gospel is bringing the Gentiles. Bringing the outcasts in, and and so, Luke chapter five is is where Jesus calls Levi, and you know the cho- I'm sure you guys have seen the chosen, and you know yeah, Levi or Matthew, and um. And so, and as you know, Matthew was a, or Levi was a tax collector, and basically he was the enemy of. The, the Jews, because he was an extortionist, he was working he was a traitor and working for the Roman government that 's why even in the in the chosen like the, the some of the disciples in the beginning are don 't really trust him um, so let 's look at this passage, and then I want to pull out kind of three ideas from this passage, and within those three ideas i 'm going to tell you several stories of how uh, my interactions with certain people um, kind of reflect this this story. So let's start by reading Luke chapter 5, verse 27 through 32. So uh, after this, it says, After this, he went out and saw a tax... This is Jesus. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And this is important. And leaving everything, Levi rose, up, rose and followed Jesus. And Levi made a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others, or sinners, reclining at table with him. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at the disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is God's word. So so you see, Jesus, he comes for the the outcasts. He comes for not the righteous. He comes for the sinners. And that's good news because we're sinners. And um, so I want to look at three kind of ideas in this passage. Number one... And Jesus is intentional. He's uh, in, he's invitational. Number two and number three. He's there's a celebration. It's, so invitation, intentional invitation, celebration. And if you look at verse twenty seven, it says, after this he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. And the Greek word for that is is much more. Um, complex than just Jesus saw him. It, it means to look upon with special interest. So Jesus was observing Levi. He wasn't just, you know, he, he was intentional about, about calling Levi. and he, So he, he observed him and looked on him with special interest. And this is, it reminds me of this, this story of this friend of mine, and I can use actually real names now because all these people are Christians now, um, this friend, this person, I, I, I actually, I didn't know him at the time, but his name is Sam. And he, Sam was a, from, he was a refugee from Iraq. And his uh, family moved to Sweden as refugees. And they li- he literally grew up in a refugee camp. And then he ended up, he, he made it somehow to Los Angeles and became a real estate agent, and became really successful in that, and Sam was gay, he was a drug addict, and he was a sex addict. And he would literally have sex with eight, like up to eight people per night, different people on like these apps, and so so I, I get a call from a friend of mine, and he says, um, "Hey, can you meet with this guy, Sam? He heard about your story, and he's he's going through some crisis. He's interested." And I was like, "Of course!" And so, I in that moment, like I, I'm very just, and I you know I prayed about it, and I very intentional about when when the Holy Spirit is like, you need to go see. And this was like a. It was kind of like a, at a weird time of the day, and I was like, I was kind of busy, but I was like, no, no, this, I'm dropping everything. This is really important. This guy is going through it, and I want to talk to him. So I met him for coffee and, in West Hollywood, and, um, and I didn't know what really what to expect. And I, so I, <laughs> I, he tells me his story. He tells me what he's going through. He looks really broken. And, and so I, and then I ended up telling him my whole story and I'm just, you know, told him what I told you guys today. And by the end of it, he's just weeping and I'm like, whoa, that's cool. That's unexpected. And so I said, listen, it was a Saturday and I said, why don't you come to church tomorrow night? Uh, to the, I used to go to the, I, the 5 p.m. service. Uh, so I was like, come to church tomorrow night with me. And he did. And during this, this service, he, the service, during the sermon, he was sitting right next to me, and I just kept hearing, like, like he was... I could tell he was crying, the whole... I could, I could hear him crying, basically. And I was like, wow, this is intense. Like, Sam is literally getting saved right now. This is crazy, in real time. And after the sermon... I, after the service, because, again, it, at, during worship, it's, it's dark, so you can't really see. But after the service was over, I turned to him and looked at him, and his entire T-shirt was soaking wet with tears. And um, it was very merry uh, in the Gospels. but um, And it, it was just like, boom, like that. He was saved that night, and, and his whole life just, I mean, radically changed so uh, to the point where it was it was almost to it was almost so extreme that it was scary how how radical it was um i mean he's he ended up selling he sold his condo he sold ev- he got ri- he got rid of all of his clothes except one pair of everything so he had like one pair of pants one pair of shoes and one shirt like he he went, he was just like oh. all <laughs> And, and um, anyway, so and he, now he he moved back to Sweden and he lives there now. And he's still um, this was, this happened like I don't know four five when was this five years ago, and he's back in Sweden now. And um, I th- he's still walking with the Lord, like and amazing. He's calmed down a little bit because um, he was really like he started wearing crazy giant crosses and it was it was intense. Um, <laughs> So, so that's the story of Sam, and just being intentional, and that, and that's, and when I, for after I got saved, I would, you know, I was working on all these photo shoots, all these fashion shoots, and I would, on the way to the shoot, I would pray in my car, God, please, just set up some divine appointment with somebody today. Bring the person whom you want to. For me to share the gospel like bring that person to me show me who that is and it was insane i mean every time every on every shoot it happened like god would bring i was in paris hilton's kitchen and that we were doing a shoot at her house for for harper's bazaar and like there was so much chaos going on and um everyone was running around paris was had like all of her dogs and her pig. She had her pig and the pig fell in the pool, and that was a whole drama. <laughs> and like <laughs> it's a giant pig. And um, but in the midst of all that chaos, like I had this like moment with this, this woman, the producer of the shoot. And in and, and in her kitchen, in Paris's kitchen, we just had this moment, and I and because I heard her say, like, oh, something about growing up Catholic, and I was like, there we go, entry, and I was like, I grew up Catholic too, and this, but, and I told her my story, and she was she was fascinated by it, and she was like, "I want to talk to you more, like let's exchange numbers and I want to come to your church, and her name is Barbie Duarte, and I still I don't know where she is yet, but um, she every once in a while she'll reach out to me, and then kind of like she'll back off and reach out and back off. but um, so it's important just in terms of. Reaching your LGBTQ plus neighbor—that's too many letters—but LGBT neighbor, I'll just say gay. Uh, reaching your gay neighbor, just—it's so important to pray about it first. It's so important to just say, God, help me to, because there's no like one size fits all kind of way to talk to a gay person. You know, there—it's just you just need the Spirit to lead you and to give you the words, because he will. The Spirit will give you the words in that moment on what to say, and I also will say, I mean, now it's particularly hard to have a dialogue with someone in the gay community because of how extreme it's become in our culture, and so it, there's like such a hard barrier to even even bringing up the subject is like, you're a bigot, you're, you know, homophobe, and it's, and by the way, that word homophobe is it's intentionally used be, to, to make it sound like you're irrational because phobias are irrational. So when someone calls you a homophobe, they want to make it seem like you're irrational rather than, no, I have convictions about, I have beliefs and I have a worldview and convictions about these biblical beliefs and it's not irrational. Um, so don't let the gays intimidate you. <laughs> because i will try to. (laughs) Um, And then, uh, and then I just, an invitational, Jesus says, let's see, he says, Jesus says, follow me, and, and, Levi leaves everything behind, which is a sign of repentance, because he leaves, basically he leaves his old life behind, and follows Jesus. He's like, okay, that's over. And, I think of my sister-in-law, Kim. I I talk about her in my book, too. Uh, Kim was, she's an evangelical Christian. She, I knew what she believed about homosexual behavior. I knew she believed it was a sin. There was no, you know, it wasn't um, confusing to me. I knew what she believed. But she was so loving, for all those years, from my teens until, you know, 2009. She always just loved me so much, and she lives in Dallas. And every time I would go home to Dallas for the holidays or whatever, Kim would call me and say, hey, let's get together and have coffee. I I miss you. I want to see you. And she was so, she was intentional. She was, like, very intentional and very loving. And, And we would get together, I would talk about guys, she would talk about God. And it's just like there was never a moment of condemnation on her part. She never once said, Hey Beckett, you know, uh, you're still sinning, right? Do you see this verse? Like, she never once did that. Because if she did, if she had never done that to me, I just would have been like, I'm never gonna see you again. Like, I'm not gonna have coffee with you. Why would I do that? So she did, she did a couple of things. She I have to find this first now. She um, loved me unconditionally and just was so generous with her love to me and never condemned me. And she prayed for me for 20, I don't know how many years, like a lot of years, 15 to 20 years. And she prayed this one verse over me. In her Bible, it's all like, she. She showed it to me after I got saved. There's like highlighted and back. My name is next to it in the margin, and she she prayed this verse um, <clears throat> over me for many years, and she fasted. Other members of my family prayed for me too, um, and they. But it was different though. They prayed for me, but they were my siblings were really kind of judgmental towards me. Which really bummed me out because it, it really created this alienation, I felt alienated from them, whereas Kim never did that. she just loved me, <laughs> and she never she never celebrated my lifestyle, she never um, you know she never affirmed it, but she just was really sweet and loving and so she prayed this this is Paul talking to Agrippa, the King, king Agrippa and it's kind of in the middle of this uh, it's a kind of a cutoff sentence, but he he says, To open their eyes so that they may see the, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins in a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So that's the verse, Acts 26:18. That's the verse she prayed over me for many, 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 many years. And God answered her prayer. Praise God. And, um, and then, in this passage, there's a celebration. Levi has this great feast at his house, and there's tax collectors, and, and other, in the other Gospels, uh, it says sinners, not just um, tax collectors and no, others. There's tax collectors and sinners, and they're reclining at table with Jesus, and the Pharisees get really mad. <laughs> <laughs> because they're they're outraged by this um, and if you notice in Luke like whenever there's a celebration it, it it means repentance because if you look at Luke fifteen, if you think of the prodigal son, there was a celebration because of that repentance, the parable of the the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin um so, the, so with for Luke celebration is a sign of repentance and and Uh, there was this, I'm going to tell you the story of this guy, this other guy in my church, this guy, Andrew, who was coming to my church for a year with his boyfriend, and, you know, they were young, they were 25 years old, and they would come every week, and sometimes they would hold hands. We have such a big church, like there's, you know, there's a thousand people in each service, so it's kind of hard to keep track of things, and so, and it's in the middle of Hollywood, and so it's just kind of, yeah. So it's like come, <laughs> come as you are, and so Andrew was coming with his boyfriend for a year, and um, finally the whole he, and that's kind of was was sort of the the philosophy of some of the my my pastors was you know. We would rather them hear the gospel than to be like, no, you can't do that. Like, stop now. Like, because the Holy Spirit, um, Billy Graham famously said, it's God's it's God's job to judge. It's it's my it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, and it's my job to love. So, um, so the, anyway, they were coming for a year, and and Andrew felt this conviction about because he was raised in a Christian home and. He started to really feel like, okay, that something's off here. And he goes up to my pastor, Tim Chaddock, and he he starts to talk to him about this. And Tim's like, go talk to Beckett. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I, Andrew and I went out to coffee. We had coffee again. Um, that's where all the deals are closed with coffee. <laughs> um, so... So we went to coffee, and I and I sensed like I was, and I prayed about it too. I was like, "What do I say to him?" And I felt like he needed really hard truth, and really like he needed he needed just yeah, he needed hard truth. So I he told his boyfriend was not there. His boyfriend was in Santa Monica at their apartment. They lived together, and. His boyfriend knew that he was meeting with me, and he was there. his boyfriend was super upset about it. And he knew that he was gonna meet with me for one hour. And so, but our, we ended up talking for three hours, and his, the, his phone, his boyfriend was freaking out. Like, Andrew's phone was, like, blowing up, and, like, his boyfriend was like, where are you, what are you doing, like, what's happening? And I told, I, was, I just told Andrew, I'm like, Andrew, like, this life is a vapor it's a mist it's like over in 2 seconds and what do you want your life to be i mean do you want it to be about just having this kind of satisfaction now or do you want eternal life with christ with god and it's like what how can you can't even compare the two things and and i so i was just like what do you want to you what do you want to do like do you want to give up eternity for for this random guy you're dating so I was again I was really harsh with him and um and then at the end of our conversation he said okay I've got to go I've got to go like my boyfriend's he keeps texting me he's freaking out I've got to go home I was like no 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 Andrew just come back come to church with me to the five o'clock service come back with me to church like don't go home just come with me. And he was like, no, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I got to go, I got to go. And he was like so distra- distraught. And he, um, so I was like, fine, you know, go. And, and he left. He got in his car. I got in my car. I went, I went to the 5 o'clock service because I, I was on the prayer ministry, and I, w- I would go to two services every Sunday. So I would, list, I would sit in one, and then in the second one, I would pray during the whole service uh, in a different room. And um, and then, so I get, to, I get to my church, and I walk into the, this, the library where the prayer team meets. And um, I said, you guys, listen, we've got to pray for this guy right now, Andrew. Like, he, I just, and I told him the story. I was like, he's about to go back home to his boyfriend. Let's pray for him. So we, we just immediately started praying for him. And while we're praying for him, my phone rings. And I'm like, And it's him, it's Andrew. And I pick it up, I'm like, hey. And he's sobbing. He's like, and I'm like, where are you? And he's like, I I got, he's like, I was so, you know, upset that I got on the 101 the wrong way. (laughs) And I started heading back to the church instead of going to Santa Monica. And I was like, praise God, (laughs) we just prayed for you. And so I was like, come to church. And so he came back to church and, um, and then by the time he got home that night to his apartment, his boyfriend not only had broken up with him, but had moved out. He was gone. Like, it was crazy. God just was like pulled him out. And, and now Andrew, uh, he ended up going to Dow- Dallas Theological Sem- or DTS. And then, um, but now he's, and I still, we're still close, and I talk to him a lot. He actually lives in Texas now. He moved from LA back to Texas, and uh, but he's still walking with the Lord, and and so that was so we all I mean we at, in my prayer our prayer team and pe- I mean everyone in my church we all were celebrating we had the celebration because like he was lost and now he's found like we he was the prodigal and he came back and so and so we had this amazing celebration with with Andrew and um, the. The last story I'll tell you is, uh, this is just, I mean, this is one example um, that, well, I have to tell you this funny story. This is kind of semi-related, but not really. But I was on, I was on a, an UGG shoot. Uh, I, I, used, I used to do a lot of shoots with the UGG, those boots, you know. And um, we were on the shoot in, in Malibu, and um, they, I had worked with them, and when you do these shoots, they're like one they're week long shoots, so you spend a lot of time with these people, uh, so you get to kind of know them pretty quickly and well and so the 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 ad agency woman the woman who owned the ad agency she during the first shoot I worked with them my my assistants were christians um, and and so we would talk about you know we were we would talk about the Lord and God and this and and she's jewish and Beverly Hills woman, and and one uh, you know one day during the shoot, during the first time I worked with her, she was like, "Is everyone like religious around here? What's going on?" And I was like, "Well, no, we're Christians, and this is," and and she was like, "What?" And so anyway, on like a subsequent shoot, she, <laughs> she, <laughs> we were shooting at this house in Malibu, and it was a beautiful you know day. Obviously, it's always beautiful, but. She, she was like, oh, we got to get this last shot today. We got to get this, the light's perfect. It, it would be a sin if we didn't get this shot. And she's like, oh, Becca, you know all about sin, don't you? And I was like, actually, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and at that moment, the entire crew like turns and looks at me, like the photographer, the, the client from UGG, like, I, and all the assistants and everyone, they all look at me. And I said, right now, all of you people are dead in your trespasses and sins, and I'm alive in Christ. And this is why, and I told him the gospel. And after the, at the end of it, the, <laughs> the client from UGG, who I'm still friends with, she's hilarious, she, uh, she was like, um, I'm going to get a coffee now. <laughs> and, uh, but I still worked with like I worked with him many, many times after that, because um, we just got along, and they loved it. And so, so you never know what you know what seeds are being planted. But the the last thing I want to tell you the story is that the St. Andrew. So Andrew actually worked for this real estate agent. He's the biggest real estate agent in the world, and he he does all the uh, real estate stuff in Malibu. So he sells like forty million dollar homes to like Jennifer Aniston and that kind of stuff. So. He, uh, he's gay, he's in his 50s, and he invited me and Andrew to his house to, um, to talk to him about the gospel. And so we're like, of course, we're going to go. And it was, you know, I was in seminary at the time. This was like in 2015 or something, 2016. I was in seminary and I had like midterms the next day, and I was stressed out about homework. So, but I was like, no, no, this thing is way more important. I'm gonna drive an hour to Malibu on a weeknight and talk to this guy. And when I get there, when we, when Andrew and I get there, it's not just him; it's like him and seven of his friends. And I'm like, whoa, this is gonna be intense. And so we sit down at the dinner table and. You know, before I could even take a bite of my fennel salad, <laughs> Chris, or the the guy, I shouldn't say his name, uh, Chris, the real estate guy, he's like, Beckett, why don't you tell everyone your story? And these are all like, no, these are all crazy non-believers, like new agey kind of. Um, some are gay, some are not. So I was like, to- I was put on the spot. And I, <clears throat> so I was like, uh, okay. So I I told them my story. And you know, it was kind of slowly leading up to the gay part. And but once I got to, and they were kind of tracking with me and like, wow, okay, that's cool, oh, interesting. And um, but then I get to the gay thing, and they. And they, they lost it. Like, they just were like, oh, what are you talking about? No, this is crazy. You're insane. Like, this is, no, uh, they were just all just like, it just it got really heated suddenly. And I was like, Lord, help me. Um, and he did. God, like, I was like, Holy Spirit, help me right now. And um, he did. And I, and I just said, guys, 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 listen. Because, I mean, they were, it was getting pretty pretty rowdy. And I said, guys. The only reason I am here tonight. I'm not I'm not here to win a battle. I'm not here to win a, a debate, an argument. I came here on a school night. I have midterms tomorrow. I drove an hour here, and it's the only reason I'm here is because I love you. That's it. I love you. And all I care all I care about, I don't care about. This food, I don't care about this. this Forty million dollar house we're eating in. All I care about is your eternal destiny, your eternal life. That's all I care about. And suddenly they were like, "Oh, he says something nice." (laughs) So, so I don't know if if that I don't and I don't know. I know a couple of them after that contacted Andrew and are are pursuing. God, I don't know where they are with God right now, but you never know, like, but it's just like, it's really good to disarm people by just saying, like, hey, I mean, I don't, because I, this, I was speaking at a church in Texas, like, a month ago, and this young woman came up to me, she was 18, and she told me about, you know, she came out to her parents, she was, you know, she came out as a lesbian to her parents, and, um, she started telling me about, you know, she was suicidal and all this stuff. And I mean, I I didn't dismiss that, but I was just like, look, look. And I said the same thing to her. I said, listen, I'll. I know you've been through all this struggle and and this trauma or whatever with your parents and 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 going through this kind of realization, but. And and when she first came up to me, she was very sort of she was like this with me. She was very guarded and and she looked really upset. Cause she had I'd done a whole weekend with at this church. And so and she and she was there the whole time because her father made her go. And so she was really upset. And she asked me, she said, the first she came up to me and she said, Why do you feel like you have to fix people? And I was like, uh I don't feel that way. I can't fix people, only the Holy Spirit can. And I said, "I," and, and she started telling me her story, and I said, look, I, all I care about is your eternal life. That's all I care about. I don't, and then suddenly, again, she completely softened, and she was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, here, just take a copy of my book and read this. And she was like, oh, I'm going to Columbia. <laughs> I was like, oh no. She's like, I'm going to Columbia University next year. And I was like, oh gosh, we need extra prayer for you. <laughs> Because they're gonna, you know, at, at Columbia, they're gonna be like, "Come, be who you are. We love you." Um, and so, so anyway, that's um. That those are some examples of how just, of of balancing, and we and that's the thing. Jesus never compromised the truth. He never ever compromised the truth. And that's as as Christians, we have to. It, like I tell people this all the time: if if you're a Christian. And you're just kind of flip-flopping on this issue, and you don't really you're like, don't bother because you're not helping anyone by just being f- just like, oh, I don't know if it's a sin anymore. I'm just confused. You no, know, have your convictions settled and and then go out and love people and 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 balance that grace and truth and hold fast to your convictions, but also love people well. And um and I think that's kind of, and, and uh, just like Jesus did with the woman caught in adultery, you know, he loved her. He was like, no, don't stone this woman because I want to save her. And I, but he said, you know, go and sin no more. And the, the same thing with the woman at the well, the woman of Samaria, he kind of read her mail. <laughs> and and, um, and so he he was very good about doing this. And he would just you know, he was—he is the Word. Jesus is the Word, and so his Word just cut to people's hearts, and and so that's how we have to be as as Christians in, in terms of this issue when we go out is have our convictions settled. Don't waffle all over it. Don't um, you know? Don't kind of fudge around and just sort of say like, "Oh, I'm not sure if it's really a sin anymore. I don't know." Just have those convictions settled, and then love people and. And pray for them and pray for the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you in, in each interaction because they're all different. You, you, and so you never know what's going to happen. So just that's, that's what I've learned from my experience with this. And, um, and so I hope that helped you. And now we're going to do Q&A.
0: So I'm going to grab the chair, but while I grab the chair, you got to tell me the cabbie story <laughs> from last night, okay? okay
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. So last night was a fun, an interesting thing because my flight was delayed for an hour in Phoenix. I, drew, I flew through Phoenix, and um, it was delayed, which, you know, and I was upset about that. I texted you. I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be there tomorrow, um, and then then I got to Des Moines airport, and I was going to take an Uber back to my back to the hotel, but I, I was like I couldn't be bothered trying to figure out where the Uber was, so I just saw a ca- I, I saw a yellow car, and right? I was like, "I'll get that because I was so tired it was 11 p m um, And so I got in the cab, and the cab driver, you know, once again. <laughs> And once again he's like so what are you doing in town I'm like well and so the whole thing starts and I started telling him you know I well I I'm speaking at this church and um you know I and I tell, told him my story basically in the cab and and he was he's not a believer and he's not he's not gay either but he he just um started asking me Really intense question like he was very kind of aware of what the Bible had to say about things and, and he asked me really specific, really difficult questions difficult questions and um, and again, I just was in the back scene I'm like, Lord, just please give me the answers to like help me to, to speak to this guy. His name was Matt uh, so pray for Matt but it was it was cool because we, we talked the whole drive. And um, I answered all of his questions, and we got to my hotel. And he, we literally still sat in his cab for like ten more minutes. And I was like, I'm so tired, please. <laughs> but I was like, No, this is true. But and then I said, I said, What's your name? And he said, Matt. I said, Matt, let me. Can, can I pray for you? And he was like, Yeah. And so I prayed for him, and. Um, he was very, it was, again, like, at, in the beginning, he was kind of, uh, it was sort of contentious, the, the, the conversation. But at, after I prayed for him, he was very much, it was like he had, it just, like, he was open to it, to the gospel. And I said, listen, you're driving in this cab all night long. He's a night driver, so he drives from, se- like, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. or something like that. I said, just listen to the gospels. On audio Bible on your phone while you're driving. Um, and, and just, especially listen to the gospel of John and, and, uh, and just ask God, just say, God, I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. Help me to do that. I don't know how to do it. Help me to understand your word. Cause it, it's like confusing, but help me to understand it. Cause, and he will. And, um, so anyway, we left it at that and we, we shook hands and, and, um, so anyway, pray for Matt, <laughs> Matt Amen. the cab driver, because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like he's, he's uh, I was so excited about it when I got to my hotel. I, I called my friend. I was like, oh my gosh, this crazy thing just happened. So um, yeah, pray for Matt. Yeah.
0: Thanks for sharing that. You know, one thing I'm learning just in listening to you is, um, you know, there, there are teachers who are very sequential in how they communicate. <laughs>
1: And I'm not at and no, all. <laughs> and then there's those who are very
0: narrative-like, and I think it's very, very helpful. I'm a storyteller, you I Yeah, to hear the ways in which God has used you and what you found helpful just in real life examples. So I appreciate that very much. It's helpful for a guy like me to just be able to hear, like, okay, so that, that, that's what that looks like. So
1: yeah. Very helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, I like stories. Yeah. Um, I'm not really good at, like, telling kind of instructional points.
0: Well, stories, I think, help us put shoe leather on maybe what the sequential guys tell us.
1: Yeah, exactly. You're able to say, here's
0: what that looks like in real life. And man, just very helpful to hear these stories. Yeah. And man, I've been encouraged tonight just by hearing that um, there are people coming to Christ within the gay community. Um, there are questions, there are I curious know. people. Amen. That's three of
1: my Three of my uh, former friends, or not former, three of my friends from my past <laughs> have come to Christ. Gay friends. Three guys. Uh, over the last, Amen. Amen. it's been amazing to see. I'm like, whoa, yeah. this is amazing. And uh, this one friend of mine, we actually, we dated back in the 90s, and he called me a few years ago, and he's like, he said, hey, I just, uh, I want you to know that, because he, he started liking things on my, my Facebook, like, you know, I would put scripture and stuff, and he was, he was liking it, and I'm like, Ted? Like, what's Ted? <laughs> Ted's liking my stuff? this is so weird, because he was, like, he's the last person in the world you would ever think would come to Christ, and he had, he he had this conversion experience in New York, and um, he called me to tell me, and I, I was so excited, and then at the end of it, I said, Ted, just out of curiosity, like, where are you with the gay thing? Are you, I didn't, because I didn't, cause you never know, like, what's going on, and he said, well, I don't know, actually, and I'll, and I'll get back to you, and um, he's a very logical, rational guy, really, really smart guy, and he's like, I'll, I'll get back to you, and I was like, okay, so three weeks later, he called me, and he's like, oh yeah, like, it's definitely a sin, and like, I'm not, that's that's not my life anymore, I'm like, wow. praise God, Amen. so Yeah.
0: Well, let's take a few questions, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Let's see if they can compete with Matt, the cab driver. I don't know yes. if they can or not. We'll see. <laughs> um, yeah, and if you have some, just uh, stand up where you are. We'll have our runners get to you, and then I've got a few that we'll use as well, uh, or we'll just kind of p- uh, follow up as well. So, who will be first to get the ball rolling? I'm looking uh, great. Right back there. Mandy, go ahead.
2: Hi, Becky. Hi. Thanks for sharing all your stuff. Um, I just had a question for... um, I have a friend that we meet, and she actually is a mental health counselor for um, LGBTQ plus kiddos that um, have, like, previously gone to conversion therapy and stuff Mm -hmm. from their parents. And they... Her and... They also have a lot of baggage, like being burned by the church and stuff. Yeah. Um, And so I'm trying to... Like, bring her back to the Lord, but she's, like, on this, like, advocacy, advocacy thing, like, kind of the other way. Yeah. Do you have any, like, scripture or advice or stories or whatever to kind of... Advocate?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, for her, I, yeah, I, I don't know what you guys think of conversion therapy, but I, I'm kind of... Here's my position on conversion therapy Uh, personally, I, like, Christopher Yuan, who was here, he, like, the point is not heterosexuality, it's holiness. So, he wrote that book, Holy Sexuality in the Mm -hmm. Gospel. And, and so, it's this whole kind of concept that, that's, you know, from the 70s or 80s that, you know, if you become a Christian, you need to be heterosexual. (laughs) That's nowhere, like, in the Gospel. And, in fact, uh, I can't think of the verse now, but if you, Paul says, if you're a eunuch, is it Paul? If you're a eunuch, stay a eunuch, or whatever.
0: First Corinthians 7?
1: Um, yeah. Is it 7? Yeah, singleness. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, um, and even Paul, in First Corinthians 7, Paul says it's better to be single. He says, I wish everyone were like me, Paul. Uh, because when you're single, your attention is not divided, and you can devote your time to the Lord. You can devote more time to the Lord. Because he he talks about marriage, and when you're married, you know there's lots of uh, it's lots of stuff that that weighs you down. Like you've got you have to worry about your wife and your husband and your kids, and not that and marriage is a wonderful thing, obviously, and God instituted marriage, but Paul just was is like, look, the time is short, the kingdom is is here, and I wish everyone could be single like me because because Paul could do whatever he wanted, he could. He could travel around the Mediterranean and plant churches all, you know, all day long, and get thrown in prison and get beaten and get thrown in jail and uh, and get uh, shipwrecked. But um, so I, uh, my my thing with conversion therapy is like, if I in California, I think it's illegal. But I feel like if it's if it's kind of forced upon you, it's it's a really can be a really bad thing, really harsh, and <clears throat> it can really backfire. But I do believe, like, if you're an adult and you truly desire, you want some help, you want therapy, or you want help to with your broken sexuality, then I think people should be allowed to do that as adults. Um, but in terms of th- your friend who's now become an advocate because she's seeing that kind of abuse or whatever that is. <clears throat> um yeah i i would say what i just said now just that it's it's probably not the best situation to be in like when especially if you're a kid and you're being forced i mean i had a niece who came out as a lesbian and she was forced into this kind of therapy which was disastrous for her it made her actually worse and she was like super uh suicidal and and so, yeah, I, I don't know if that helps. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I wholeheartedly
0: agree. with trying to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a good connection here, all right. <laughs> okay, good. You know, I, I think the uh, word conversion is it's just, it's unfortunate that there's a misunderstanding of that word on their end, because I would say you had a great conversion right. therapy. Yes, I <laughs> did. Amen. Exactly. And it's funny because people,
1: true. when I tell people like I, I had a conversion, they think I mean from gay to straight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm right. like, no, no, no. From atheist to Christianity. Amen. Amen. <laughs> like yeah. that's my conversion. Amen.
0: Yeah. Uh, question two, if you stand and we'll get a mic to you in the room right there. Okay. Heather Carlson Carlos will get that mic to you. And if you have a question, feel free to go ahead and stand when, when um, she's done and we'll get to you next.
2: Um, so I, my sister, just a couple weeks ago, married a woman, and, um, so I need lots of prayers. I'm going to see her in a couple of weeks and meet her new spouse, and so I'm just trying to, because I just love her so much, sorry. It's been a lot to deal with, but then I have another couple who I've known for a really long time, and they're men, and they're married, and they have children together, and now my sister is wanting to adopt with her new spouse, and it gets to the point where they're, I guess they, I'm not sure how to kind of ask the question. I've got so many questions, but um, when they're that far into it, where I've committed my whole life, we have children together, like how could, you know, why would God want me to change? Or I've heard those kinds of things before. Mm -hmm. So do you know anybody personally who's been like married with kids and how like logistically does that even work um, when you bring in the gospel or, or if you've known any salvations through that?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a hard one. It's hard when there's, just, there's so many layers to it. Um, and uh, I just lost the thought I had about that. But I, the thing is, just, again, loving, loving, your, loving them and, 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 and praying for them is really kind of the most you can do. And and does she, she's aware of what your beliefs are, right? What?
2: Yeah, I was not invited to the wedding. Okay, because she knows.
1: So she yeah, knows. Um, it's just the, the keeping like line, that line of communication open. so because the thing is like con- condemning them is never going is never really going to bring them to Christ. Um, so that's kind of the goal is to bring you know to lead them to Christ and. So as much as you can, without affirming kind of the situation or, or the relationship, be as loving, be as generous with your love as you can. And it, again, it's, it's gotten so heightened now in culture that it's, it's hard to even do that. But um, yeah, I mean, I have, I have friends who, old friends who are married, for sure and have they've uh, have kids they have surrogate kids or adopted kids or whatever and so it's very complicated but um, i mean you don't have to really think about the the ultimate outcome yet because that will kind of work itself out you know if 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 they do if your sister does get convicted then there will be you know eventually they'll they'll like just like with Andrew, there'll be kind of an unraveling of that relationship and um, theoretically and so so i I don't know I just and I don't know and even the idea of going to gay weddings i when I got first got saved my uh, my agents, one of them was gay, and we were out to dinner one night. And I was put on the spot, and he was getting married. And the woman, uh, the woman agent, she asked me, she's like, "Beckett, you're going to Tim's wedding, aren't you?" And I was like, "Of course I'm going," you know, because I was a new, a brand new Christian, and I just I didn't know what to say in that moment. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm going," and I ended up going to this wedding. And it was, for me personally, it was a huge mistake to go to it because. Once I I didn't I didn't really think it through. And once I got there, there you know, everyone was there to celebrate this union. And I had just come God just plucked me out of that life life. And that and so just to be in the presence of all of that and everyone being so excited about these two guys getting married, I just felt so out of place and just the whole night just was awful. And I so I vowed, like, never to go to a gay wedding again after that experience. However, with some situations, like, I know of a woman who was not going to go to her daughter's wedding, and, or to, I'm sorry, to her son's wedding in San Francisco, and she, she made it very clear that she was not going to go, and uh, her son's, all of her son's friends knew why, and and then she ended up really praying about it, and, and she, and I don't know if this is the right answer or not, but she ended up going to the wedding, and what she did was really cool. She got up and gave, like, a, a speech, a toast, and she said, hey, I, you know, all of you know where I stand on this issue, but I am here because I love my son, and that's, that's it. And, like, everyone started applauding her, and... And I think that was cool in that moment because it's like she's, she helped that, that, that communication and that is open with her son still now. And so, I don't know, the whole, the wedding stuff is hard to deal with. Um, there was another thought I had about that, and like, and it just, I'll, I'll think of it, I'll think of it, but, um, but yeah, I just, um, just pray for her, pray for her and, uh, pray Acts 26.18 for her or whatever and and just continue to, you know, love her again just like without affirming everything, just love her and be as, you know, welcoming as you can without compromising the truth. So it's again, it's that tricky balance. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah.
0: Heather. Oh, do you want to follow up? I... I was just saying thanks. Hey, thanks for being um, very transparent. Uh, I appreciate that about you. I know that's very difficult. And it's good to hear you share with your church family. Most of us here are in our church family. We have a number of guests from Creston and Sully. But I think the majority are your brothers and sisters in this church family. And um, our hearts are drawn to yours when you share what's well, very personal. And yet, um, we will pray with you on that. So thank you for sharing. Can, can we lean in pastorally for a moment, or can I lean in pastorally and ask you some questions in regards to that? Yeah. I think this is an interesting topic because I think a lot of us do wonder, how do you unravel a sinfully twisted mess? Like, your question, that stumps me. Like I don't know what I would say to that. Or, mm-hmm. um, But I also think there are situations that are as twisted sexually in regards to couples who have affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and other situations where like, wow, this is a mess and kids are involved and maybe there's, um, multiple mari- marriages, I just, it's, um, and not to try to, there's a, there's a significant issue with the sin, but I, I think one thing you use the word unraveling mm-hmm. and I hope this is an <clears throat> encouragement. I don't think it's a fix all and it's not a quick answer, but often I want to ask you, um, what, you fir- what your first step was in the moment when you got saved and you had these relationships. But I think sometimes we forget that when we just do the next right thing, often people will dis- attach, detach themselves from us. Mm-hmm. We often underestimate the power of the gospel in their response to a committed Christian willing to count everything as loss. So, so let me just give you a possible hypothetical situation. I'm not saying this would happen. I don't even know if it's ever happened. But let's say something of like that occurred and there was clarity, as he's been saying, there's clarity about their commitment to Christ. It could be that the spouse and the children would leave. I'm not saying that would not be painful. I'm not saying that would be welcomed. But it's possible that often we lose things as a result of our confessional commitment. Does that make sense? And then people make decisions in response to us and then suddenly we we do experience loss, but we're, we're not necessarily the ones having to cut all these cords. I don't know if that is making sense at all, but I'm hoping I'm, you hear that pastorally. So, just something to think about. What, what was yeah, your Jesus. first thing that you did when you realized God's changed your life and your affections? What's the? How did that go with your boyfriend?
1: Well, I wasn't in a relationship at the time. Okay, um, which is interesting because. Six months prior to getting saved, or maybe eight months, I was dating I was living with my boyfriend and it was the strangest thing he was in a band and he was on tour um, and he was always gone on tour but he, he he came home from Europe and he came back to our place or my place and um it was it was god I think it was God preparing me because. He came back and he, I said, "Hey, let's go, let's go get coffee." Like, um, I guess that's what I do. Um, I was like, "Let's go to the, this cafe, whatever." And um, and he's like, "Okay." And he, we went and we, I parked my car at a meter, and he was just kind of sitting in the passenger seat, like he wasn't gonna get out of the car. And I'm like. Nick? Like, his name was Nick. And in the book, I call it in the nick of time, but I couldn't use his name. <laughs> so it didn't make sense. I had to make up a fake name. So, uh, uh, but so Nick, I was like, what's going on? And he said, he, he was just silent. I was like, are we breaking up right now? And he, he finally just was like, yeah, I think, yeah, I think, um, you know, I want to break up. And I was like, what? And it was so weird because there was really no reason why we were breaking up. Because we even, like, we went back to my place, and we were just, like, both crying. And we're like, why are we doing this? Like, we are in this relationship. Why are we breaking up? And it was, honestly, I think it was just God, like, preparing me, getting that obstacle out of my way, getting Nick out of my way so that I would be able to go to church that day and without having, you know, like, Nick... Being, you know, just on whatever it would have been awkward, and so, um, so yeah. I mean, and I also think that it's, it is, it is convicting to people when you when you are a Christian and you believe the truth, you know, the, in the authority of Scripture, and it, it is convicting to others. And my friends, you know, uh, some of them are not. Uh, what not? Uh, not intimidated, but some of them are not th- kind of threatened by my beliefs and my convictions, but a lot of them are, and and it's because there's they feel that they f- I think they feel conviction when they're around me. They feel like it's like when the light hits the darkness, like they feel that and and they want to run, and. Um, There was something I was going to say about, see, I keep forgetting things now. Um, There was something I was going to say about uh, that situation. Um, But yeah, I just, oh, I was going to say that Jesus, you know, there's so many passages in the Bible that talk about this, that, you know, Jesus says, they're going to hate you because they hated me first. And he even says in the Sermon on the Mount, he says... Mm. If, if you are blessed, <clears throat> blessed is are are you who are persecuted for my namesake. Like you're blessed by by G by God for being persecuted, and you're being persecuted. So it, it's you know we can take comfort in that that we that Jesus was the most misunderstood person ever alive, and he was, um, and he was so hated and. So we we can count it as almost like a privilege to be, hate almost. It's like being hated is like okay, like something. I'm doing something right if I'm hated, um, because Jesus was hated, and we're we're supposed to be imitators of Christ. And so I think that's important to to remember and remember those verses that talk about persecution by people and others. And so yeah.
0: Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Heather. I
1: Thank you, yeah.
0: Our feeble attempts help at all, but, yeah. Um, Question three. Scott, go ahead. Yeah, hi.
3: Um, I was kind of curious. I had a guy working for me, a young man, that kind of heard through the grapevine that he was gay, and I always tried to connect with my employees on a personal level. And I always felt a little odd of, I normally don't have any problem kind of digging in with anybody and just asking them about their life and whatever, and I guess, where does the line come in when you know somebody's gay? They don't really talk about it with you because they kind of know where you're at. Do, you, do I ask questions to them like, why are you gay? <laughs> or, <laughs> or why are you gay, man? Or, you know, what, to, to engage them, is that, is that affirming them or is it good to kind of get on that discussion, or kind of ignore mm. it and just talk about other? It's hard. Kind of That's a really
1: thing, hard thing to do because I, uh, my best friend, who I was at the coffee shop with that day, with the Christians, uh, he's still gay. He never. He actually ended up coming to my church for like three months, and I, I, I mean, I thought for sure he was going to get saved, and um, he didn't. And uh he's he's still gay and he has a boyfriend, a very serious boyfriend, and so it's very difficult when I if I go out to dinner with him, because he talk he wants to talk about his boyfriend, and I don't really know how to respond. I'm just like, mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't really celebrate like yeah, oh, that's amazing. I'm so glad you had um, you know, I'm so glad you guys are together. I, I just I I find myself kind of mute in those situations and I I don't know what to say and I just like I kind of just nod and and try to just change the subject every time he brings up his boyfriend. So and I so I I find it actually so hard to do that now that I I rarely see him and he cuz he can tell too. He can tell that it's it's an awkward situation. So we don't really hang out that that much because it it is difficult because, and I, I, I wouldn't even, I don't know. I don't think I would, I wouldn't even go there with like, you know, so tell me about your new boyfriend. Like, how is it? Are you guys like, you're getting a house? Like, I don't know. So I, I just, I don't know. I would just change the subject. <laughs> it, <yeah. laughs> Talk about something else. I've got a,
3: a cousin that's a lesbian as well. And, similar kind of thing is we we talk about other aspects of life, but we kind of stay off of that subject. So it's probably best. I was just kind of curious if engaging people on that level, if that would open them up to talk about other things. It depends. But I, don't I
1: mean, you would have to, you could, you know, again, pray about it and see if the spirit, you can, because you can kind of tell, like with Andrew, I could tell that I could go, I could go for it with him. I could be really direct and blunt with him. But you have to just sense that from the spirit. If like, is this person open to hearing this? Mm. And sometimes your friend, I mean, or this guy might even say like, hey, so why do you believe what you believe? Why do you believe mm-hmm. that this is a sin? And you can get into that, but um, you never know. But uh, yeah, I, I would just kind of just wait and see mm-hmm. for the right moment and timing to say anything. If, you, if, you ha- if there ever is one. Right. Thanks. Yeah.
0: Yes, next question.
2: Um, so we've oh. had conversations with uh, a lesbian before, and she professed to be a strong Christian, and I, I think she's even a counselor maybe in the um, a field and, and talks to people, but yet she lives this lifestyle. And so, um, I guess, how do you continue to share the gospel? Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I think we're kind of just stuck on can you be a Christian and how do you move forward if you're claiming to follow Christ but yet you're continuing to live this lifestyle and so kind of... That, I know, the that's the
1: hardest. That, to me, is the hardest demographic because it's like they're, claim, they're professing to be Christians but they're living this life that, um, you know, Paul says, do not be deceived in First Corinthians 6. He's like, do not be deceived. These people will not, you know, he goes through the whole list of vices and he says, and men who practice homosexuality, et cetera, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it's, it's that is such a tricky thing to me, to talk to people who are in that situation, because they think, it's a deception. I mean, it's a total deception to think that you, you, it's, it's I, I talk about this in my book, can you be gay and Christian? And it's like, the short answer is no, you can't you it's it's like a square circle or an elderly baby, like it doesn't work you can't as I talked about this morning when I read those um, scripture passages, you can't continue in sin, obviously, we all still sin, but we we repent of that, and I talked about this earlier, just like the problem with this sin is you there's no repentance, and without repentance, there's no salvation and so it's that whole kind of Matthew Vines world. Matthew Vines wrote, wrote the book God and the Gay Christian, and he's gay, He's a gay-affirming Christian. And it's so deceptive. And the, the hermeneutics he does in that book, I'm sure you've read it, is just, like, wild. It's just, like, the gymnastics he has to do to make it, to rationalize sin, this sin in particular, is, It's. I read his book, and I was like, this is, like, It doesn't even make any sense, and um, but people—that's the thing. People want to have their cake and eat it too, (laughs) and you can't. You can't do both. You can't live as a follower of Christ and still, as I said, like he he calls people to repentance. And I much prefer talking to an atheist than someone who is a professing Christian and living as a gay person. Like I, I'd rather talk to an atheist about the gospel because at least it's like there's, it's a clean line. <laughs> it's a clean slate. But yeah, that's, that's very difficult to do.
0: Sometimes in those situations, uh, it's just wise to say, well, we obviously disagree um, and then maybe try to move forward in conversation. Like, okay, how do we continue to converse knowing we disagree as opposed to trying to find some level of agreement, because that's an impossibility in that situation. And to be frank with you, this is the whole point of the plus sign. It used to be LGBT, then it became Q, and now the plus is, so whatever else we can say can fit in here, and then eventually say, oh, by the way, we're Christian too, so really there's no sin to ever repent of if we're not careful. And so there will be no Christian sexual ethic ever. And so it's just a terribly, not even a slippery slope, it's a terrible volcano that we're being swallowed by. So I I would just encourage you just to maintain your conviction. And it is tricky. It's difficult. But uh, that's probably a no-give situation. Uh, You can't practice sin and say you're a Christian.
1: Yeah. I I remember the days when it was just gay and lesbian, and now it's LGBTQ+. It's like, okay, guys, calm down. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, I don't. There, uh, Douglas Murray wrote this book called *The Madness of Crowds*. Do you, have you read that? Oh my gosh, it's amazing. So Douglas Murray is a gay atheist in England at Oxford. He um, he wrote this book *The Madness of Crowds*, which I highly recommend. And um, but he talks about because he he talks about the overreach of the gay community, and he likens it to a train arriving at a station. And, the, and it's like, okay, we finally arrived at our state at the station. We have gay marriage equality. Everything's e- everything. And so you know, you think the passengers would get off the train and everyone would be happy, but no. Suddenly mm-hmm. the train lurches and plows through the train station and destroys everything in its wake. Mm. And that's what's happening now with this with this issue, is. Gay marriage was just that wasn't that wasn't really the goal. The goal was like <laughs> was to destroy anyone who disagrees with you, which is interesting. I, I I talked about this on my YouTube show. Like I I was banned from the ICU. My one of my closest friends, who was my old friend who was gay, was is in the ICU. Uh, he had this. He's a, like under. He's sedated. He's unconscious and. I went to visit him. As soon as I found out, I went to visit him in the hospital, and uh, and then th- his power of attorney or the person who's in charge of all of his medical stuff is not this other gay guy because he's he's estranged from his his whole family. So this this random gay guy that I've never met I had never met is in charge of my my dear old friends. I like medical stuff, everything. He's, he he makes all the medical decisions. And he also makes the, the decisions on who gets to see him. And um, so I went to see him. And then this guy found out about, he got, I guess he Googled my name or something, and he found out all this stuff about me. And he literally banned me from seeing him again. He said, I, I went to the hospital again. And I was like, yeah, I'm going up to see so-and-so. And they were like, oh, you're not on the approved list of people. And I was like, what are you talking about? So what's interesting about that is there's been, the tables have been turned because back in the day when during the AIDS crisis, you know, gays, like the lovers of gays, like weren't allowed to see their partners in the hospital. But now Christians, (laughs) I'm not allowed to see my friend in the hospital because I'm a Christian. So it's like, the, toler- the intolerance of tolerance is, is crazy.
0: And um, Troy, I want you to, you have a question we have a hold right there. I want you to just take a minute and share a little more about how you've been canceled out since your book came out. And just a number of things that yeah. it's like the, yeah, the tables have turned. You can't even hold a conviction now.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, so when I, as I said, when I got saved, I was very, very vocal about my faith. Like, I, on every shoot, I would talk about Jesus to everyone who would listen. My agent, my my agent, production design agent, was gay, is gay. And he knew I was a Christian. I don't know how much he knew, but he knew I was a Christian. He knew I went to seminary. I mean, I had to turn down a bunch of jobs, a ton of jobs because of seminary. But it wasn't until my book came out that it really hit the fan. <laughs> and um, because you can't have a book out in the world talking about this issue and saying it's a sin and still work with, you know, Jessica Chastain or Natalie Portman or Meryl Streep because it just becomes untenable or Kate Blanchett. Because if anyone, so if I'm on the set, and there, a couple times, there were some weird things. I was working with Katy Perry one time on the set, and she, she I was telling her her wardrobe stylist uh, Johnny, I was telling him about my conversion and everything, and I, we got into this big discussion, and he was all into it, and, and his assistant was into it, and then like after you know twenty minutes of talking, Katy Perry's like, "Okay, guys, break up the Bible study. We got to get to work." Um, but but having the book out it becomes untenable to work on the set because this, if anyone mentions to one of these, you know, to Oprah, I worked with Oprah. Like, if anyone mentions to Oprah, oh, this guy, the production designer is a Christian and he believes homosexual behavior is a sin. I mean, there would be like, like the, the, the police would come and arrest me or something. So, um, hmm. so when I got, when the book came out two years ago, I got this very vague, weird email from my agent and it said, hey Beckett, so um, so so-and-so left the agency, uh, this other agent left the agency, and i have taken over her clients, and it was three sentences long. And I know you're really focused on your book right now, and I think it's best if we part professional ways. And I was like, wow, that was crazy. It, It happened right after the book came out. And so um, I got canceled in Hollywood, and, um, which was fine because I knew God was pulling me into more full-time ministry stuff because he, t- he brought me to seminary. He, he, I, I knew he was preparing me for other things. And so it wasn't a shock to me, but it was definitely not cool <laughs> because literally I, like, I, I literally can't do production design because of my faith. Like I can't do it, so it's yeah. it's weird.
0: Troy, do you want to ask your question? Okay. I, I into, but I guess I, I can... Sorry, I should have stood up.
1: <laughs> I wanted to know where exactly in the Bible it said and talked about homosexuality, and while I was getting ready to ask the question. Mama found the answer. Well, God allowed her to find the answer.
3: Okay, so. I mean it talks about it Mama,
1: in a lot of places. Like Mama, there's sorry. six specific verses that address it. Three in the Old Testament, three in the New. And um, but it's not just those verses, the clopper passages, as they were, that as people would call them. It's not just those verses that address homosexual sin. There's there's never in the Bible there's never there's not one moment ever where there's a positive um, affirmation of homosexual behavior—it's never—it's p- positive. It's always—it ex- was a capital crime in, in, in the Old Testament in Leviticus. It was a capital crime, um, and it, but it's not just those passages, those verses. That it's—it's—it's it's, it's the whole—the uh, whole scope of of the Bible. It's from Genesis to Revelation. It's—it's mm-hmm. it's clear. God in, in Genesis one and two, God created man and woman to be in and he created marriage and he created this one flesh union and that's why in Romans 1 Paul talks about um suppressing the truth he so Paul in Romans 1 he talks about you know he he gives us the 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 uh the not prognosis but the when a doctor gives you the diagnosis diagnosis of what I've, we're all we're all no one is righteous, no, not one. And he, and he says, all of humanity, we suppress the truth, and we've exchanged the truth for a lie and worship the cre- creature rather than the creator. But what does he use as an example? The one illustration he uses in Romans as the mm-hmm. example of suppressing the truth is homosexual behavior. And why does he do that? Because it's patently obvious that Two men don't belong together. Two women don't belong together. It's anatomically, physiologically, psychologically obvious that that doesn't belong together. And that's why Paul uses that as the example of suppressing the truth. Because even when I was living that life, I knew, I could I, deep down in my heart, in my heart of hearts, I knew something was off. I knew, like, when I would go to gay pride parades, I'd be like, this is weird this is not this is not right but i didn't know what else to do i because i this is all i could i didn't know what to do because I, I this is the only option i had i thought in front of me and so um so i very actively suppressed the truth my whole adult life until god opened my eyes but and uh, anyway so that's but but it's just uh, Paul, uh, god institutes marriage in genesis One and two in Genesis two, and um, Jesus reiterates that in in the Gospels, um, and then Paul reiterates it in Ephesians chapter five, and he, he even takes it to the next level. He says, You know, as it is written, a man shall leave his wife, and the two will become one flesh, and that one flesh union is so crucial. And he says, and then he likens it to Christ and the church and his bride, which is the church, and so. Mar- earthly marriage is temporal, and there's no marriage in heaven. Earthly marriage is temporal, and it's pointing to this eternal, majestic marriage of Christ and his bride. And even the language of that is, is uh, uh, hetero, sarks, I can't think of the word, other flesh. It, even the language of that is Christ and his bride. It's not, I just said this earlier, but Christ, not Christ and his husband. It's Christ and his, the, the church, which is his bride. So anyway, it's just clear throughout Scripture, not just those, past, those specific verses, that God designed sex to be expressed within a covenant of marriage between one man and one, one woman for life, and he did that for a reason. It's not an accident. Mm. It's because that's how human beings flourish the most. And anything outside of that covenant premarital sex, extramarital sex, homosexual sex, all of that leads to destruction. Mm. And no matter what, it all leads to destruction. So God kind of knew what he was doing when he instituted marriage (laughs) and made it a covenant for life, lifelong covenant. So that's, anyway, that's a long answer to that.
0: Are these some of the, is that like a sample nugget of what they might get on your YouTube channel or are those just mainly interviews?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. (laughs) That's a nugget. So I have a, yeah, I have a YouTube show called The Becca Cook Show, um, and I talk about these things about just kind of the lies of the culture and the truth behind Amen. the lies. Because I believed all, I used to believe all the lies. I was I, I lived in the lies. I was in the, the yeah. stew of lies. And um,
0: but that yeah. was a, that was a good nugget for us to hear. And I think in a, in a weekend where we're just hearing your story, which is fabulous. We sometimes forget that you have a teaching ministry, and you have often just some really good nuggets for us, and I think we've had less time for that this weekend than because of the story, but I just want to encourage folks to check out his channel. Uh, I know you went to Talbot Seminary, got your uh, degree there, and so it's no light issue for you to teach the Bible. We just didn't give a lot of attention to that specific thing this weekend, but I thought that was a great five-minute
1: blast, <laughs> Sir, bro. That was good. Minutes oh, two minutes. I don't know, but that's excellent. Yeah. I think it's very so, helpful. Yeah, so if I you mean, want some
0: more, go to his channel.
1: It's interesting, because I, yeah, anyway, I won't get into, I, there's, I, I'm not going to touch this other big issue, okay. but yeah, go ahead. All right. uh, let's go back
0: to Leland, and then we'll go to Jason. It'll probably be enough for tonight.
4: Just um, a comment and a question along with it. Um, I know a young person that's uh, moving directly, real heavily towards um, the east or west coast, New York or L.A., simply because he has a real desire um, to get in the movie industry. And I'm hearing, from what I'm hearing from you is a lot of it is very strongly held by the gay and lesbian or uh, LGBTQ Plus.
1: community. Community, yeah.
4: That um, they basically operates it.
1: They pull is that street. a
4: wise decision for someone to be moving in that direction?
1: Never. No. <laughs> I oh. People, I, I just... I hear, I mean, I've seen this happen over and over again. People in my church, because we're in Hollywood, so many young people are like, oh, I came to Hollywood and I'm going to be a pop star because I want to be a light to the world. It's like, by the time they become a pop star, which a lot of them have, they're like, their light is so dim, they don't wow. even have a light anymore. Wow, The lights are out. Joe Jonas used to come to my church. His light's out. Um, all these people, Demi Lovato, her light's out. Uh, so... I've seen it happen over and over and over again, and and I. So when people tell me like, oh, I'm gonna, I want to move to Hollywood to be a light to the industry, I'm like, don't bother, (laughs) do something else, (laughs) please. Wow. Because you're not, it's gonna, it's gonna overtake you, and you're gonna get your light's gonna get crushed. So I I just, I I do not recommend doing. For those that
4: are going, trying, not even trying to make a light, but to be the best they could be in the movie industry, is that even a a good goal.
1: No, I mean it's just like what do you want, why do you want that? What what is mo- what is the motivation? I would ask that first. I mean, there are some people who I have friends who are in the industry who are really strong Christians and and but it's it's very tricky, especially if you're in front of the camera or, or in front of the microphone. It's very tricky to to be to stay faithful to the Lord and do that, especially now with the content of TV, I don't even know how you can be an actress anymore. Like, you basically have to do sex scenes, you have to do, like, gay scenes, you have, like, as an actor or an actress, you have to do that now on, in, on almost every show. So I don't, and Mark of Carthage, who was, uh, he was an actor in the Greek theater in the, like, second or third century, when, when he got saved, his church, his local church in Carthage, we're like, okay, you're quitting that job, and he quit, he quit, and they all helped support him until he found um, another another profession, and and it's true. There's something about that world. There's something about, especially now, obviously in Hollywood, it's just like it's there's it's so dark. My fr- I I uh, dated this guy uh, who. <laughs> who created the show Glee and all these other shows, um, American Horror Story and um, so many shows on Netflix. He has, and he got a $300 million deal with Netflix. And the New York Times did a whole story on him, and they said, what are you going to do with all this money? And he said, I'm going to use it to champion LGBTQ her- heroes and heroines. So just think about that. Think about the amount of money that is being used and cuz cuz like storytelling that's my thing storytelling is so powerful mm. um, and mm. so when you, that's why the culture and that's why even in the church has shifted so much it's like 40 years ago 30 years ago this wasn't even a, a question in christian's mind it was like yeah we uh, we know it's a sin like but now satan is creeping in the church and the culture is so powerful that um Christians, even Christians, are starting to buy the lie that um, this is no longer a sin because the, it's so powerful. Like, Will and Grace, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, like, you know, Brokeback Mountain, all these shows and movies and, and TV stuff, like, is so oriented towards the gay community and, and and so kind of normalizing it that we are starting to buy it. Satan is thrilled, He's laughing all the way to the bank. He's so happy that he has so many people deceived. And that's why I always say you have to stay in the word because, Amen. Uh, the, yeah, you're, it's just Amen. it's constant barrage.
0: Jason, last question for tonight, and I'll get you out of here. Oh, 6.30.
1: Uh,
3: Could you speak maybe a little uh, for another minute? In the beginning, you kind of talked about just the LGBTQ community and their identity is so tied to their sexuality. And, of course, you know, our identity is in Christ, but just one's personhood, just in general, is so much more than your sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. I just wonder if that's kind of a means of communication or approaching the community, because I guess in my mind, your sexual identity shouldn't be... it's just so strong, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, you should watch my. You, because I get it. I get really deep into this into my in my YouTube show about. <clears throat> it goes back to Jean-Jacques Rousseau, the French philosopher from the eighteenth from the eighteen hundreds, uh, and his ideas, which filtered through all uh, the the Romantic poets, Percy B. Shelley and Wordsworth, and 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 then through um, Marx and. And uh, Nietzsche, and then through Freud, so <clears throat> we're. This is, it's. This is a kind of a cul- a culmination of so many factors that have gone on not not since just the fall, but from from the last two hundred years of, of these ideas really flourishing in the academy and in culture, and um, the one thing I, I just want to end on is just the idea, are you born gay? Because I have the answer. Um, I don't know. But <laughs> here's the thing. This is so important to understand because people are like, this is the question people always ask. They're like, well, if God, you know, God doesn't make mistakes and love is love. God God doesn't make mistakes. Like, why would he? And like, yeah, you're right. God doesn't make mistakes. He never has. But um, but because of the fall, our everything is broken, our even our genetic coding is broken our we're, we're all born with it, it doesn't and see, and I don't no one really knows if you're born gay or not. It could be genetic, it could be hormonal in utero in uterine, uh, which I think I think a lot of it is hormonal uh, in your mother's womb. I, I really think I've come to sort of that conclusion, but I, and I also think there's environmental factors. So there's, it could be a combo platter, um, but it really, in the end, at the end of the day, it, does, it doesn't matter if you're born gay or not, because we're all born, we're conceived in sin, we're born in sin, we're all born with sinful impulses and mm-hmm. innate impulses, but it doesn't mean that we're supposed to act on those impulses. And so, uh, a heterosexual, a go- first uh, male is born with all kinds of sinful impulses. But do you are you supposed to act on those? No. Like, so the idea that whole concept of like, well, I was born this way. It's like, so you need to be born again. But yeah, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're born gay or not. Um, anyway, I just had to add that in. Yeah. Did If you want
0: to talk more about that question, feel free to chat with him afterwards or just... Or
1: just watch my YouTube show for 30 hours.
0: (laughs) You got an easy out on that question. So he may have beat Matt, the cab driver. I don't know. Maybe so. (laughs) Hey, well, thanks everyone. And Beckett, thank you. We'll be around afterwards. Um, And help me thank Beckett one more time. Would you please? I appreciate it so much.
3: Thank you guys. Appreciate
0: it. Let me pray for us, okay? Lord, I want to thank you so much for today and just uh, crossing our paths with Beckett. Thank you for this church family, this body of believers um, who love you, who are committed to your truth, and who humbly just want to walk with you as you continue to mold us into the image of your son. Give us favor in our community because of the distinctiveness of the gospel. I pray you'd give us conviction, uh, compassion. Also pray, Lord, you'd continue to favor and anoint Beckett in his ministries, I pray, Lord, that even though he's experienced a canceling among his immediate area in that culture, Lord, I pray he'll know that, at least in this state, there's a church he can call his family. And I thank you for his ministry, and I thank you for the change you've made in his life, all because of your grace and power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank yeah. you. You're welcome, brother. Thank you,
0: guys. You're dismissed.